Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. And while every episode will always be free, if you're if you would like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for an obscene amount of bonus audio content, uh, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews. Uh, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much more, all depending on the tier that you sign up at. Uh, again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media and letterboxd at obsessive viewer. And today on the show, we will be reviewing <clears throat> two recent releases as I clear my throat. Uh, first, the highly anticipated Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, currently in theaters for one week, oddly enough, before its Netflix release on, I believe it's December 23rd. Uh, and we'll round out the show with a review of Smile, which is currently available to stream on Paramount+. Plus. And joining me today are two of my friends and colleagues from the IFJA, Andy Carr, whose podcast Odd Trilogies can be found wherever you get your podcasts, and Mitch Ringenberg, whose work can be found on Midwest Film Journal. Gentlemen, how is it going, you guys? I added that there, yeah. How's it going, guys? <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to be yeah. obsessors. Nice. Yeah. Great. Happy to be here. Nice. Well, I'm happy to have you guys here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, you guys have both been on the show before. Actually, the last time the three of us recorded something together, I believe that was the uh, was it the three of us when the uh, incident in the mall happened? Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. It was Nightmare Alley, right? <laughs> Nightmare yeah. Alley. Yes. We were yeah. accosted by uh, yep. mall security guards. Mall security, because right. it's illegal to produce something that is for profit. Uh, you should feel bad about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because Simon Malls need their cut. They do. They do. They do. Uh, so yeah, uh, almost around a year. I don't know exactly what date it was, but just about an exact year uh yeah. from then and we're here now and no one is gonna accost us this time so uh hopefully not at least um maybe my cats yeah pizza might too she's been pretty docile all day so she's ready to be a cat for now um so we'll see we'll see she's roaming around so anyway uh so yeah so how are you guys doing i already asked that oh and <laughs> If you want to uh, take a minute and just uh, tell us like what you've been up to, what uh, what like some recent things you've posted online, like reviews and everything and where people can find you on the internets. Uh, Mitch, do you want to get get started on that? Yeah, um, not even sure what the last thing I reviewed was was probably a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a review actually of Glass Onion publishing to Midwest Film Journal tomorrow nice. that you can read nice. probably early in the morning you can catch my review for uh glass onion there i'm sure you'll hear <laughs> read a lot of the same things i'm probably going to say here about it <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that's um you can check that out at midwest home journal 
Sweet, sweet. And uh, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me um, on Twitter at Wounded Kite. Um, I post a lot of <laughs> random shit on there. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah, Midwest Film Journal, that's mainly where you can find like any of my film writing. And you can kind of just nice. find my um, random rants on Letterboxd, too. I think it's also Wounded Kite uh, nice. on Letterboxd. Sweet, and I'll put a link to all that in the show notes uh, of this episode as well, which you can find at um, obsessiveviewer.com slash OV386. And Andy, how are you tonight? And what's some recent stuff that you've been up to? And where can we find you online? Um, I'm doing well. I've, uh, let's see, the most recent thing I think I published out into the world was uh, the last episode of my odd trilogies podcast that I host with my friend Logan. Sowash. um, we talked about, uh, the three, um, stop or the first three stop motion animated films of, uh, director Henry Selleck, um, kind of talked about how he came to be and the influence he's had on the industry. Uh, that came out a week, about a week and a half ago. Um, so you can check that out wherever, podcasts are available um also have i think my latest written thing is my review of black panther wakanda forever um yep uh good good movie like to think Mm -hmm. it was a decent review um you can find oh that that was for the film yap uh most mostly right for the film yap Mm -hmm. you can find them at filmyap.substack.com um and you can find my weird takes on things on Twitter at not so handy Andy. Nice, nice. Well, welcome. I just like to. Oh, sorry. I just like oh, the no. second um, odd trilogies. Mm-hmm. Amazing podcast. Um, I think oh, Logan yeah. and I do have complete opposite tastes in movies. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. If he likes something, it's like guaranteed I don't like it, and vice versa every time. So it's always an entertaining listen. For me wow yeah i do i love that podcast um you guys do oh, a really good job guys. yeah yeah um and i think i've said this before but like just the the concept of it is just something i just really like also so good job it's a concept we didn't think would last us this long but uh <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's the premise that keeps on giving i guess nice you're killing it nice uh yeah and i'll put links to all that in the show notes as well um guys do you want to do you want us to get into our reviews for the evening uh, I suppose we should. <clears throat> All right. Awesome. As I clear my throat again, uh, by the way, when I played the theme music for some reason, I, I don't know why, but I had the sudden urge to, and this is so lame and it's stupid for an audio podcast, but I had the sudden urge to, to try to, and to, to try to elicit an, uh, a reaction from you guys, um, by like raising the roof while it was going. I don't know why I have no idea why, um, but yeah, I I did not drink a lot of caffeine today. So, um, all right. We are going to start off by talking about our feelings toward the new Ryan Johnson film, uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Um, the Of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. I'll play a clip from the trailer to switch over to the uh, spoiler review. But of course, in the show notes, there are... Um, timestamps to navigate around that but uh the premise according to imdb is famed southern detective benoit blanc travels to greece for his latest case 
Uh, of course, of course, it's written and directed by Ryan Johnson. It stars Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, Kate Hudson, and Dave Bautista. Um, so guys, what did you think, first of all, what was, what were your guys' feelings on Knives Out a couple of years ago? And then how did you feel about, uh, Glass Onion? Um, Andy, do you want to get us kicked off? Sure. Uh, I love Knives Out. I mean, I think a lot of people do. That's not a controversial or unpopular take. I think it's awesome. (laughs) Um, I was somebody who was not really all that intrigued by whodunits um prior to that i thought for the most part a lot of them are played out not so great a lot of cliches and tropes and i just thought ryan johnson kind of uh took a lot of those trappings and stylings of that genre and like rather than like kind of hide from them or avoid them he kind of just embraces them but makes something new and fun out of them um and it's just a just a really it was a really su- not surprising but like refreshing refreshingly modern who done it so i was very excited for this one nice mitch how did you feel about knives out yeah i am pretty much right there with andy um i've always enjoyed uh ryan johnson's movies um i mean i wouldn't say like he's like my favorite modern director or anything but mm-hmm. like i have enjoyed basically everything he's done and i thought knives out might be that between that and brick those were probably my two favorite movies of his nice. uh i mean they're just incredibly fun cast i mean that's like half the appeal to me it's just <laughs> you're watching a really awesome uh cast of that like he really shrewdly picks them too it's like a lot of mm-hmm. actors that you love but you don't see all the time like your don johnson's and yeah. like Keith stanfield and stuff so you're watching uh, a really great cast um just kind of playing like smarmy rich assholes and like that's <laughs> really fun so they're very comedic and like andy said that a lot of the directing and the humor has some really modern sensibilities without being too cutesy mm-hmm. about it um yeah, and they're really smart and clever scripts as well. Uh, oh, the yeah. mysteries are genuinely uh, tantalizing, I guess you could say. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy Knives Out. Nice. Absolutely. I do as well. I think I rewatched it before we uh, before going to Glass Onion. And um, I think according to Letterboxd, it's like my eighth time watching that movie. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it does not, it does not get tired for me. And I think that that is a feather in the cap to the ensemble, the script. And of course, just Ryan Johnson is his fingerprints are all over it. It's his, his, uh, his baby and everything. But something that I just love about Ryan Johnson movies, like Mitch, what you were saying is that, he he does take like he he will take something that is maybe not that interesting or not that you know appealing or anything like whether that's you know a uh, like a noir story a mystery who done it a star wars um you know something that kind of sucks but <laughs> And then make it really good. Um, I had to get a dig at Star Wars. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, but no. Uh, I'm all yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, he always does something so unique and so interesting. And him going into doing this like mystery whodunit thing, it just, it's so, it was so refreshing and so uh, intricately plotted and everything. And I really liked it. So 
going into Glass Onion, especially after rewatching Knives Out, I went into it thinking, okay, Knives Out is something truly special, and I don't anticipate him reaching that. Like, I assume that he is going to do a great job with Glass Onion, but he has set the bar for himself so extraordinarily high with Knives Out, mm-hmm. I I can't expect it to to uh, reach that height. But um but for the for the most part i really really enjoyed glass onion um to kind of give an overall kind of thought um it is just i mean it's i don't know if it'll have the staying power with me of knives out but it is for me a very very entertaining and uh just really really well told uh mystery story with another great ensemble um that it just i want i want ryan johnson to make these movies for as long as he can um because it's just he's really hit a rhythm um with this particular brand and it it works really well so what did you guys think in kind of broad terms and non-spoilers of glass onion and then we can kind of get into the to the nitty-gritty with it um i i can I can give my kind of brief thoughts. Um, I I thought Glass Onion was a blast. I really enjoyed myself watching it. Um, it's pretty much like if you enjoyed the first movie, I mean, this is that, but more. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing cast. Again, uh, he's just found a cast that like almost might be, had me more intrigued um, than the cast he had in the first one. Yeah. Um, the humor really works. I think we get Daniel Craig like hamming it up like even more. Uh, and then he was in the first one. He seems to really be having fun with the character. And mm-hmm. uh, that was almost my favorite part. Just his really goofy dialogue and um, that he has. And his, especially his chemistry he has with uh, Janelle Monet in particular. I just yeah. thought they were so much fun together. If I have like any, this is like a really mild criticism, but it is one that I, it it like holds me back from like it maybe being my best of the year uh, or up with my best of the year, which is, I do think it's like, this is this exact same structure as like Mm. the first movie. And I know you could say that probably about most whodunits, right? They have these very kind of backloaded plots and, um, you know, and they're, they're structured very similarly, right? It's like a genre. Um, However, I would say that like even kind of like the humor is very similar in this one, which is pretty much this very broad satire of like rich people, aren't they horrible? And I agree, (laughs) but it's but it's like it is just kind of that again. The setting is different enough this time around. (laughs) And some of the conflicts between the characters are different enough this time around that like I, from, on a moment-to-moment basis, I was having so much fun. Um, I do wonder if, like, he made a, you know, when the third one comes out, and it's kind of like, if it was, had kind of that the similar social critiques mm-hmm. and kind of the, the similar plot structure, um, I'm wondering if I would start to feel like kind of a diminishing returns. But like yeah. as it stands, I mean, it is a lot of fun. I can't imagine enjoying Knives Out and not enjoying this. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there, especially 
there is a little bit of I, I have full faith that Ryan Johnson with the third one will do something unique and different, obviously, but there is there are some 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 uh, similarities for for the first one here um and the second one. Um Andy, what did you think of Glass Onion? Yeah, I I agree with Mitch on just about every point. I thought it was awesome. Um I I think like I mean, if I, I gave them both like the same, you know, letterbox rating, four and a half out of five. I do same. think I like Knives Out just, you know, that much better, just a hair better. Maybe if only just because it was, you know, the first one and was yeah. more fresh in that sense. And like Mitch said, this one is repeating a lot of the same bits and pieces, mm-hmm. although it's, it is, you know, exploring, uh, slightly different conflicts and obviously setting like Mitch said. Um, but I think the thing that like made this work for me basically essentially on paper, just as well as knives out was the shift from like the family unit of the first one to kind of these business associates that call themselves friends um, in, in this one. Um, it just changes the stakes a little bit, I guess. I mean, obviously the first one, there were characters capable of and intending to murder. Um, (laughs) but I don't know with, with, with most of the characters being related somehow, um, it was a little bit more like, oh, this is kind of a low stakes game of, you know, who, who's, who's the guilty party and that sort of thing. And this one is more like, any of these people could kill any of these other people and get away with it. Yeah. Like, cause they're not that closely connected. Um, and, uh, yeah, with the, with the kind of bigger playground of this Island mansion, um, and the more kind of modern aesthetic of it, I think it was able to play in some, some new territory that was really fun. I thought the entire, uh, cast was a blast. I don't know that, most of the characters are like maybe as memorable mm. as the the is it the thromby family in the yeah. first one um but they're just as diverse and and funny and off the wall um i think there are more blancisms in the first one like memorable lines of daniel yeah. craig just like chewing the dialogue mm. in his southern accent but he's still having so much fun like mitch said um and I think he and Ryan Johnson have both said that like they will keep making these movies as long as it's fun for both of them. Yeah. And they seem to be having a blast, and so am I. Um, and like you guys kind of said, I could see where if a third one stays on this pace and doesn't make a more significant change to the formula, you know, my enjoyment might start to decline. But I also feel like, I mean even as much as I love Ryan Johnson and I have expected to love like the last three or four movies of his that I've seen because I love him. Um, he still surprises me every time and impresses me in a way that somehow I wasn't expecting to be impressed. Um, so I just, I feel like certainly in a third one, he's going to come up with something to make it feel new and different. And there I'll be, slapping the 4.5 out of 5 again like <laughs> damn it Ryan you did it again <laughs> yeah absolutely um 
it's really interesting to me that both movies they do like their ensemble is this close-knit to an extent kind of connected group and something you touched on is that you know obviously this group is more like entrepreneurial or business minded their business connections rather than a family and so that they it, it paints a picture to where um anyone is capable and has the motive to do something criminal to this group and that that's an interesting kind of tw- not necessarily twist on the knives out formula cuz knives out was just you there was a crime that took place and then and then we got we got an explanation for it pretty early but like everyone had their own motives and everything and then this is just kind of as the kids say it hits a little different because there's there's a lot more emphasis on the interconnected or interpersonal conflicts among like the different members of the group and i like the way that it plays with the loyalty that they have that's built off of their you know um prosperity and everything and i kind of i thought that was an interesting angle but i also do agree that uh the blancisms were not as prevalent in here like i don't the title kind of bakes into it its own like donut hole kind of thing <laughs> but <laughs> it's not as memorable as as uh the whole donut hole thing from the first one which i thought was fantastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, and I don't know how much we want to get into the actual mystery and everything, but um once we once we get the criminal act, I guess, it really ramps up the drama a lot, but there's also I don't I'm not going to say that cuz I'll save that for spoilers cuz that's definitely a big spoiler, but um let me let me back up a little bit and just ask what what was memorable for you guys about this new ensemble? Um like I felt that the that the group wasn't quite as they weren't as endearingly obnoxious as the thrombies were because the thrombies they were all just out of touch buffoons <laughs> and they still had like it it had that feel of like going going home for thanksgiving with your annoying family whereas this is going to like your 10 20 year high school reunion with your annoying classmates kind of thing um so there was a little bit of a lack of an endearing quality to them, but I liked them. How'd you guys feel about the ensemble and how they work together? Well, uh, you know, to me, I thought this is kind of like a testament to having like assembling in a cast this amazing, because honestly, like when you think about the distinct characters, almost all of them are like pretty broad caricatures, you know, there's not a ton to them. Um, Mm -hmm. There is like some interesting relationship dynamics in terms of like their past that they've had together. Uh, however, you know, you could pretty much describe everybody pretty succinctly like in a sentence, you know, yeah. and like Dave Batista is kind of this Joe Roganite, like mm-hmm. yeah. um, brosiopath sort of character. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> um, and then you have, uh, and then, you know, you obviously have like Edward Norton playing the, I mean, 
you can't even the one-to-ones are so <laughs> almost too on the nose like with mm-hmm. like i said that joe rogan like edward norton being like an elon musk yeah right there's no uh doubt about it i mean he i think was having the most seemed to be having like the most fun out of all out of the non uh benoit blanc characters mm-hmm. i thought uh edward norton was really fun um Dave Batista is like pretty fun. He's kind of doing one thing. Catherine Hahn, I mean, she's just incredible. I feel like you can give her anything and she's going to run with it. You yeah. know, she can do a lot with very little. I think mm-hmm. some of the, I was so excited to see Kate Hudson. I hadn't seen her in a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was like a little underwhelmed with Kate Hudson. I sort of feel like you yeah. get everything there is to know about her pretty fast. Um, but she is the butt of some pretty funny jokes uh, mm. later in, later in the movie that I um, that I enjoyed. But yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I think the the cast is half the reason to see this movie is mm-hmm. just watching them play these jerks and squabble with each other. I mean, we are literally an hour into this movie before anything plot related even yeah. happens, um, and I do think that is a bit of a, a fault of the movie, mm-hmm. but. Again, it just shows how fun it is just to watch charming movie stars just stand around <laughs> and squabble. Like it's very entertaining. Uh, it's yeah. not really until something happens when you're like, "Oh, now the story's starting." <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've been here for an hour, but yeah. So I, I mostly love their dynamic. Nice. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, the uh, I think you guys are kind of tapping into the key thing that makes the ensemble like still really fun not quite as like engaging and i think it's just that they're all more kind of they're modern analogs to something else like they're archetypes of some person you've been seeing in headline you know you can look at any of these characters and point to some real life celebrity and be like yep that's a parody of that um and they they're they're great parodies great Mm -hmm. satires of those things um you know, I mean, it's it's shocking how well Elon Musk has been setting up all the jokes in this movie for the last <laughs> month or two, yeah. unknowingly. And yeah. of course, Ryan Johnson made this movie a year or two ago. So it's mm-hmm. like this. These parallels are just writing themselves, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but uh, dare. Yeah, dare I, I, think, I say that it's almost as if Elon Musk is a joke himself. <laughs> yeah right, right. it's like it just shows you that there, to me i kind of just when i thought i could like this is so timely it's yeah. ridiculous but then yeah. the more i thought about it, the more i'm like well there's always a billionaire yeah. Buffoon, yeah. buffoon like this like this guy has always existed mm-hmm. um and elon musk just happens to be you know the the current one yeah. and um, he just happens to really be kind of uh, yeah. humiliating himself on a large scale yeah. right now. Yeah. This this kind of annoying billionaire has always has always existed. I'm dude. I'm right here. The owner of the obsessive viewer is right here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. You're the exception. <laughs> thank you. To the thank rule, you. Of course. Thank you. He's a cool billionaire. You yeah. use your power for good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but anyway, Andy, sorry to cut you off. What were, no, it's okay. It's I'm okay. Sorry. Um, I did. Um, I related to Mitch's note about Kate Hudson because I I don't know what it was exactly, but at some point, like maybe halfway through the movie or in the last act or something, 
it felt like a lot of the kind of insert shots of her reactions to things, it, her acting was like just just shy of like convincing me of um. the moment. Like when she'd scream or gasp. And I know part of her character is like being this super kind of fake, phony, um, yeah. you know, spineless person. They're all spineless, all the characters. Spoilers. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Something about her performance late in the movie. And also the movie kind of stops focusing on her as other characters become more important, which I think mm-hmm. just adds to or emphasizes the fact that maybe her performance wasn't quite there in every yeah. moment. Um, but I still thought she was really fun and it was, you know, it's, it's not like I was, you know, rolling my eyes every time she came on screen or anything. It was just like a, Oh, that's weird in a movie this tight and, you know, uh, high standard and everything. It was like just little moments where I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe they needed another take on that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get that. And she, she, is more of the uh, i think i think her character poster calls her the wild card and she mm-hmm. kind of seems like if we are to do like a one to one with the first knives out she's like the she's like the Tony Collette character she doesn't really i don't know if i'd say she doesn't really fit in with the group but she is more like she, she's so much more um as the kids say extra and she <sighs> is just you're like, really hip man. I, you're really I, on the you pulse know, these kids i really you am i am not i'm not based i'm i'm definitely uh <laughs> i'm definitely the kids don't say base yeah okay yeah i don't i don't even know what that That's means just redditors yeah. we're all in their 40s <laughs> right my kids don't know who lil b is or my <laughs> former students sorry i don't have kids oh but yeah, yeah i saw middle school for the audience <laughs> out there yes uh but yeah but she's she was kind of the more heightened character and it it, it didn't I don't know. I feel like on repeat viewings, she's not going to have like the the she's not going to have the like uh, longevity of like Tony Collette's character yeah. in Knives Out, which is maybe not fair because Tony Collette is freaking Tony Collette. But um, but kind of in that same vein, uh, Dave Bautista, his character and I think that like he I, I love that. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Brosiopath. Um, that is, that is such a great descriptor, but I do feel like his, with, with some of these characters, if not maybe the majority of them, they are those archetypes and it's to a disadvantage a little bit because like Dave Bautista, it's, it's explained that like, oh, he is, he's this men's rights activist guy, like douchebag, uh, guy but we don't really see any of that like that's just kind of explained to us and then unless i miss something like there's nothing really well i mean i guess the beginning he walks was around with yeah, a gun <laughs> it's really i think yeah all the characters get their like little vignette at the mm-hmm. beginning where you kind of see them in their own habitat that's and true. that's supposed to kind of carry you through but i get what you mean it's like there's a lot of you get a little morsel of what this mm-hmm. archetype is supposed to be, but then it's not until like an hour later that some characters like, Oh, didn't you know about what happened to him this yeah. time? Like he's been doing, you know? Yeah. So I get what you mean that the characters kind of just being explained to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they don't seem to have as much room to really play with those, the, the like archetypes of them, the way that the thrombies did, because those were all like, 
interper like that's that's a family dynamic kind of thing and this is a, mm-hmm. a little bit different but um yeah yeah i do think too like a family dynamic just again like i you know obviously this movie i want to preface this like the movie is still really fun and the oh, dynamic yeah. is still really fun yeah, but yeah. but i i do think like just like a family dynamic like the the kind of state what's at stake the the initial stakes of that family in the first one is a lot more compelling than i think yes you know we're all gathered on an island well why are we here you know which is fun but it's you know what in the first one obviously it's like the inheritance that all these really greedy rich people and that just obviously just on the face of it i think a more um compelling and like kind of ripe setup yeah it's it's inherent inheritance versus like coattails basically um yeah and uh do we want to say anything else in non-spoilers or do you guys want to dive into spoilers here in uh here in a second because there's some stuff i really want to kind of dive into with uh, the spoiler chat we can jump in yeah let's do it all right so uh before we do that just uh around the around the horn what was your letterbox rating andy you said four and a half Mm -hmm. yeah mitch how about you i'd be a four out of five nice i give it four and a half as well and uh yeah we're gonna go ahead and go into spoilers for glass onion and knives out mystery which is in theaters for one week this week and then in december it's gonna be on netflix that is lame let's talk about that for just a second since it's (laughs) non-spoilers that's annoying (laughs) yeah i mean i don't get it yeah i think we're just gonna see more and more decisions like that from netflix as they kind of try and stretch the importance of streaming over going to the movies i don't know and yeah. I forgot that the first one is not Netflix. That's why right. that's why I right. think I was so confused because yeah. I was like, the first one was like a hit. Yeah. In theaters, oh, yeah. You know, um, it was like a really sizable hit. And, and this that, one's going to be a hit on Netflix. That's yes. right. The streaming um, numbers that we don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, mysterious numbers. <laughs> yeah. I think my, my kind of, my whole thing is the, um, uh, just uh, it's a mystery like it's like it's a whodunit like if they have it in theaters and then people talk about it online it's going to be ruined for people who didn't that wait for netflix so i don't know it's just that makes me a little nervous but we don't have that problem obviously (laughs) but (laughs) it's still it's a little whatever at least they are putting it in theaters so that's nice yeah yeah um, yeah. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and go into spoilers for Knives Out or for Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. If you want to skip the spoiler section and go to our review of Smile, check the show notes uh, for timestamps, which one, once again are at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV386. And so here we go with the trailer for Glass Onion. I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. This is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? (laughs) Alibarry. That has a kick. Oh my god, what happened? So, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery is in theaters for one week on Netflix, blah, blah, blah. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is, we didn't we didn't touch on this, but it's been circulating, circul, circ, circulating, circulating, 
percolating. 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 It has been, it has been uh, uh, bandied about in the in the media mm-hmm. uh, that we get a little slice of Benoit Blanc's home life, and and also a big part of this movie is the pandemic, and we'll talk about that. But how did you guys feel about that peek at Benoit Blanc's life um, at home? Um, I was surprised pleasantly surprised by it Mm. i kind of thought benoit blanc might just be this kind of fear that we only see in the field Mm -hmm. in this series um but i was i don't know i i always i I always you know my little nerd self gets excited about like world building and stuff in anything even when it doesn't matter um so i liked the little little i mean the moments we got to see benoit in his home during the pandemic in his mm. like lowest state um but also the the reveal of his partner um i can't mm. remember his name but he's played by hugh grant yeah. um but uh that 100 percent went right over my head that they were uh, partners and i hadn't seen ryan johnson's quote that he'd given to some interview where he'd said yeah. yes benoit blanc is absolutely gay um and you know thinking about it after the fact it was like yeah that was entirely the point of that scene and obvious and i'm an idiot but i was not paying attention <laughs> and i was just like oh he's got this like baker butler guy who's <laughs> hanging out in an apron answering doors for him yeah i will say like i i don't if if i had not seen that headline and mm-hmm. just kind of subconsciously like registered in my brain i don't know if i immediately would have been like ah oh, yes we have finally met uh, Benoit Blanc's partner um, just because sometimes I don't know in, when they kind of make this press whenever there's like proceeding press about yeah. a character being gay before the release of a mm-hmm. movie I feel like I can almost guarantee that I'm like it's barely going to be present oh <laughs> like, yeah oh, I don't yeah. know why yeah. I, I think that but not that this is like a Disney movie or anything mm-hmm. but I just you know again had no problem with the execution of it, but I can see mm-hmm. why that would like go over like anyone's head. And um, personally, yeah, I I'm right with you there with you. Like I was delighted by the glimpse we got into his personal life. I loved him being kind of like, like he's almost like, he's like what I imagine like Batman or like, uh, I don't know, like the <laughs> Punisher or something like when they're out of bad guys to like, yeah, <laughs> to go there just like, <laughs> Oh, there's no more mysteries. I'm just like moping yeah. in my bathtub. <laughs> Um, and I, I thought that was really funny and yeah. I would have loved to see a little more of the dynamic between him yeah. and like, Hugh Grant's character. I hope mm-hmm. that's like explored more in, uh, right. you know, further sequels. Me too. And as someone who I like, uh, like I was pleasantly surprised as well. And I feel like an idiot because I did not pick up on it as him being his, his lover or anything. I also thought that he was like an assistant or Butler or something. (laughs) Well, I swear there's Um, some line in there. Like Benoit Blanc refers to him as like his assistant or some, something mm -hmm. along those lines that made it sound to me like, Oh, it's it's a Butler. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he went when he's talking to, uh, the, uh, Janelle Monae's character. Oh yeah. Okay. I think, I think for me, it was, I think in the beginning, the first line that he says about that, he references him as saying like, Oh yeah, Philip has been wanting me to get out of the bathtub or something like that. And for some reason, I just, I, I don't know. I didn't connect it, but it was, it was, 
I love that as a bit of stunt casting, and I think it's a <laughs> lot of fun. And I do hope that they explore it a little bit more, because um, I, I like you, Andy. I I really love the kind of world building, the little like bits and pieces um, yeah. there. But uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe Hugh Grant gets kidnapped in the third one. Yeah, that would yeah. Be um, <laughs> so let's talk about the actual mystery and everything. Um, first of all, I do want to mention one of my, one of my favorite, like, sight gags in the movie was, um, when, uh, they're all showing up for the boat and then Kate Hudson comes in and she's wearing this mesh face mask. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, um, they don't address it. It's, it's just so great. That it's, is the gag. Yeah. yeah. I, I really loved that. Um, but the mystery plays out after, like, like you guys said, about an hour into the movie, Dave Batista just gets killed, um, which was a surprise to me because they had spent, like we said, they had spent about an hour setting everything up and setting up the characters, setting up their, their different, you know, motives and everything without telling us what the, what the crime is. Like, I kept thinking right. like, oh, Janelle Monet is going to get murdered because she's the one that everyone is is focused in on and and like she has a problem with everyone and they have a problem with her because they're loyal to to him all of this stuff and then suddenly it's just like oh yeah the dude with the crotch gun uh gets whacked yeah. um all right um so what did you guys think of the build up toward the mystery and the mystery itself um yeah, I, I do think that a little bit, I mean, I thought the mystery was really fun. Um, I was completely blindsided by Janelle Monet being like a twin. And that would yeah. almost be like too outlandish. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. But they, they the way they played it out was really fun. And then it yeah. adds all of these layers, you know, between, because uh, when Daniel Craig, like sheds a tear when she dies. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, like you've known her for 20 minutes, you know? And <laughs> <Right. but> then, <laughs> but then, uh, obviously <laughs> you go back and they, they reveal their kind of their backstory and they have this amazing chemistry together and all totally worked for me. I do think oh, yeah. sometimes I think in honestly in both knives out movies. And I think this is, again, I think this is just how a lot of whodunits are. And I maybe just don't, love how they do this they're just very backloaded where it's like okay now let me explain everything that was actually really happening yeah. like everything yeah. that was behind the scenes of what like, you were watching the movie was deliberately leading you astray all this time yeah. just so they could tell you oh no actually yep yeah. yeah and it's it's clever but like sometimes i'm almost like this is too clever if this <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think the like needle that has to be threaded in that kind of structure is like you have to put all or almost all of the pieces there that I could have feasibly figured it out on my own mm -hmm. and I just didn't because you were misdirecting me. Yeah. You know, you were focusing my attention on something else. It's like a magic trick. Like if you're watching the right part, you can see how it's done. But the real trick is getting people to not look at that part. Yeah. So like and there is a lot of that thinking back. There are a lot of things that get set up that the movie literally kind of in montage explains to you were set up. Um, but there is a little bit of that disconnect of like, oh, well, of course I didn't guess that because you just kind of 
told me that everything is entirely different from how I thought it was happening. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's got, it feels like a cheap shot. Um, but again, I'm, I'm speaking in exaggerated terms just to Mm -hmm. make a point. Cause I, I do think the structure really works for the most part. And I think as far as like, um, actually plot reveal (laughs) reveals, this one's done mostly really well Mm -hmm. in a really entertaining way. I think honestly, for me, my biggest issue with that, like that kind of, oh, let's actually reveal everything you know is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's done in this, it, there's like, I swear, it's like a half hour. Yeah. Like a, like a 30 minute, maybe 40 minute chunk of the movie is retelling the story because you've, you know, you're learning new things. And it's just like, after a certain amount of time, I was like, when they came back into the current moment, I was like, Jesus Christ, we just spent <laughs> yeah. like the last 30 minutes in a flashback. What? Yeah. I like yeah. lost track of time and it was like, good yeah. Lord. It um, so it was a little momentum. It. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And like it's a fun flashback and everything, but it does feel like it does feel like Ryan Johnson almost succumbs to that sequelitis thing where like Knives Out had um, Anna Diarmas had her whole like her whole flashback and backstory that showed us exactly what happened to, to, uh, to Harlan Thromby. And Mm -hmm. then we get back into the moment and she's, she's then appointed as, you know, uh, Benoit's own Watson. And then here we have the same thing, like the same skeletal structure Mm -hmm. basically, but it is vast. Like it is much more intricate and much bigger. And it just feels like, if the third movie has something like that, I <laughs> I will be very very like concerned. Another kind of downtrodden woman, kind of helping him yeah. out to get back at all these people, um, yeah. which worked really well the first two times. But yeah. yeah, like oh yeah, how many times? How many times can this happen to Benoit Blanc right. where he just like ha- meets the right person? And, yeah, you know. But yeah, the connects up with them. Yeah. A little like almost like it's a I feel like it's a little overblown at the end where she's like where she's like walking away from the flames. Yeah. And it's like very dramatic. There's kind of like a really intense like Yas Queen sort of <laughs> energy going on, which is which is fine. But I like mm-hmm. at like one point I'm like, am I watching like a music video right, right, yeah. right now? Because mm-hmm. the rest of the movie it just it felt very bombastic. Yes. Uh in in a way that like the rest of the movie is like not necessarily. Like that, but again, well, I that guess. whole yeah, that whole sequence where stuff's blowing up and everybody's like trying to flee the mm-hmm. the room as things are exploding. It's like this is coming out of a different movie. Like, yeah, yes, it, it just it felt like all the slow mo and yeah. yeah, it's like okay, Janelle Monae is now like almost like an action hero, yeah. and there's like pyrotechnics, like stuff blowing up everywhere, and it's like. I mean, I guess it is the sequel. You're right. Like right. That, when you're like the sequelitis, it's just like mm-hmm. we have to go way bigger. And I was like, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> slow it down, down a little bit. A little, yeah, I don't know. It also made me a little bit not uncomfortable, but it made me like a, like second guess like where they were going for the finale there because Blanc is just like okay, he, like it's very clear like he gives her the like the hydro whatever it is and. Uh, he's like, just remember what, like what she, what she wanted or what she wanted from him or something like that. And then, then I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, they mentioned the Hindenburg, like, 
is she going to murder all of these people? Like, and is Benoit <laughs> yeah. Blanca just going to be standing outside? And so it was a little unclear, <laughs> yeah. like what it was going to be. But then that would be hardcore. Yeah, and like, yeah. that's a whole yeah. Because I mean, she had no idea what yeah. it would like how it would play out. So she just throws this highly combustible <laughs> yeah. gas into the air ducts and yep. just like it's like, well, it'll piss them off and make them <laughs> yeah. shit themselves. Like I, it is a little yeah. like. It, it, it does have a little bit of that, like, <laughs> like comic book movie energy. Yeah. And that, you know what I mean? Like, this is like, I don't know, like the equivalent of like the big blue beam in the sky in a superhero <laughs> yeah. movie. Where it's like, we don't know what it does, but it, <laughs> yeah, it's powerful. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> exactly. it's like the third or fourth Death Star. And then, you know, they put in, <laughs> they throw the high combustible thing in the air vent and it blows up. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, so I did like how it tied back to it being about like, oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be referenced alongside the Mona Lisa because his his creation just just destroyed it, and it's it is that it is that kind of just desserts kind of thing that that mm-hmm. is satisfying. It's not it's it's bigger because it's the sequel, but it's and it's it's not as emotionally satisfying to me as a viewer as that just amazing scene with with uh with Marta on the balcony with the with the mug with her fingers covering the two things so it just says my house and like that's a perfect image to end on for knives out mm-hmm. here it's here it's fine um but it it's is funny bigger. to compare how like subdued the yes first ending is. <laughs> just yeah. like a girl holding a cup of coffee <laughs> compared to what what we did in this one <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry go on oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but yeah so there's a big effort in this movie in terms of the conflict and the the interpersonal dynamics of these people that they are kind of they're not not completely leeching off of edward norton's character but they are writing his coattails they are loyal to him because of like what he's able to provide for them with his wealth and everything and it's an interesting dynamic to play with with an ensemble with with an ensemble that are at the center is going to be at the center of a murder plot and everything. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a question for that. How do you guys feel about that? <laughs> uh, the way that they kind of intermingled with each other and the flashbacks as well. Um, wait, are you asking about? Sorry, are you asking <laughs> about like how the characters intermingle with each other yeah the like their or? their backstory the the backstory of the disruptors and how they all oh. came together like how they all kind of have their own separate kind of things that they are just they're successful because of him basically yeah i mean i i really liked that angle of this group i mean you know like the first one had okay they're a family unit but they all Mm -hmm. kind of secretly hate each other yeah um and this i liked the whole disruptors thing that like Mm -hmm. this this elon musk figure um who kind of had something over each one of these people kind of created this pretend sense of brotherhood and loyalty and yeah it's us against the world man because we tell it like it is and we're real and like none of them believe it about (laughs) any of the others except maybe themselves and like Mm -hmm. even at that point they like kind of know they're lying to themselves um because that's what 
billionaires are actually like in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I I enjoyed. I I think that the 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 cluster and the archetypes in this is almost like maybe more successful or more fun as like social satire than the first one. The first one's still great mm-hmm. um, in that regard, but this one is just that much more kind of potent, kind of on the nose, but not in an annoying way, more in like a, ah, ah, yeah, they're really telling it, you know? Um, and, and so I think in that regard, like the, the commentary of this one was, maybe a little bit stronger even than the first one, even if maybe like the actual characters or emotional stakes weren't quite as high as the first one. Well said. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. 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 I'd I'd agree. I, I I like the backstory. I mean, it kind of gives them all like the exact same motivation for why they would, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like to kill um, Edward Norton's character or, you know what I mean? Like they all kind of have the exact same motivation, which Mm -hmm. is like, if, something happens to that person like i you know that's literally all i have um (laughs) is that that like my success is like uh hinging upon you know them still being a billionaire um still having power um but yeah i enjoyed it uh didn't didn't even notice even though i've seen this movie a hundred times uh that in that flashback sequence um edward norton's (laughs) character is in Tom Cruise's exact get up for <laughs> the movie Magnolia. Yeah. Um, I think I was too distracted by the hairpiece that Dave Batista had on it. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that scene that I could not, but like that, that is a hilarious, uh, obviously like ridiculous reference that I yeah. think, um, you that know, was great. I, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. And I loved seeing Edward Norton in a role where he's like clearly having fun. He has this, he has this presence to him. Like he's, I mean, he has like a reputation, I guess for being kind of difficult and everything. And he hasn't mm. been in a lot of stuff recently that I've really been into aside from, I'm, I haven't even been into his Wes Anderson stuff uh, that he's been in, but uh, well, there was just... the modern classic motherless Brooklyn. Oh Jesus. You missed that one. <laughs> no, I, mm, oh, okay. I, I remember I saw that movie. Me and Tiny went and saw the movie. Uh, we went to a screening of it. We were both excited cautiously because mm-hmm. he and I in high school were huge Edward Norton fans as any young man who saw Fight Club and thought yeah, that it was right. profound <laughs> was. Naturally. Yeah. And so we had heard about his attempts or his desire to adapt Motherless Brooklyn. And we were like, oh, my God, he's going to play a guy with Tourette's and he's a detective and stuff. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And then like 20 years later, 15 years later, he comes out with it. And it's just a massive turd. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Never caught that one, unfortunately. Yeah, it's... uh. No, it's not good. But um, so it was good to see him and good to see him uh, play this Elon Musk esque uh, buffoon. And even even I would say probably one of my favorite moments in the entire movie is when Blanc just instantly, like immediately, just takes all the fun away from his from his whole murder mystery, and he says oh, every yeah. detail of it. I thought that was just perfect. I I really <laughs> loved it. And the look of uh disappointment and uh sadness on Edward Norton was great. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was that was good. Um 
yeah, anything else that you guys want to talk about in spoilers for Glass Onion? Anything that uh, we haven't touched on? Huh? I Good mean, I, I'm I'm sure I could talk for several more hours about it, but <laughs> you know, we can also talk in circles, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, about covers it for me. Yeah, I did pose this question to you guys. Um, it was a it was a kind of a weird thought that I had, but do you see and and we'll we'll go through this conversation again, I guess. Um, do you guys foresee a situation where um, uh, Ryan Johnson gives Benoit Blanc his own like Moriarty? Like, is there room mm. in this franchise for a character that is like diabolical and actually a formidable opponent to Blanc? Uh, and how would that oh, fit yeah. with the the kind of overall aesthetic of this and tone of this series? Um, yeah. yeah, I could absolutely see that. I mean, that's kind of the appeal, I think, of creating this new character. Mm-hmm. Um, someone like Benoit Blanc is like kind of the implied history that this character comes mm-hmm. comes with, right? Like Daniel Craig is like middle aged, he's world renowned, yeah. uh, and you know, w- within his fictional universe, obviously. And mm-hmm. like, um, and you know, just, just that uh, implies that there's this like incredibly rich history that we aren't privy yeah. to. So, um, I mean, it's pretty much, that's what I think is so awesome about this concept is really the sky's the limit in terms of what you want to, um, what, what you want to show this character, like in terms of their history. And obviously like you probably have a field day kind of, casting uh version of moriarty (laughs) yes yeah i i agree i think there's definitely room for it and i'd be all for it you'd have to find some kind of different Mm -hmm. entry into that just because everything so far about this series has been like classic mystery with a twist so there's like got to be some twist to it that i'm not going to even try to like anticipate right um Another another thing that I would love to kind of see from these movies or in a future movie that I really only thought of once we started talking um, tonight. Um, I, I Going back earlier when we were mentioning how, you know, both films, he comes across this woman who's kind of like the secret weapon in the thing. And she ends up kind of really ultimately kind of solving the thing at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And like, I think that's part of the point that Ryan Johnson's trying to do with both of these movies. So I wouldn't be surprised if that trend continues, but at the same time, I'd almost kind of love to see a story or a mystery where like Benoit Blanc does kind of have his back up against the wall and it's kind of him against everything else. And he doesn't necessarily have somebody to turn to, or maybe that somebody he turns to ends up expanding the world of Benoit Blanc outside of this case, kind of like, you know, his partner, in this did so I, I that would be interesting to see in a future one where it's like he doesn't he doesn't find that in in the group and and mm-hmm. it's more up to him to kind of figure things out all by himself yeah yeah that'd be interesting um my kind of final thought on glass onion uh <laughs> is that i just imagine like i imagine kenneth Branagh. Uh, spending all all of his time recently doing uh pura pura, pura 
Agatha Christie's Poirot. Yes. Like seeing seeing Knives Out and then seeing Glass Onion and just being like, motherfucker. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how you guys feel about, about his... Uh... Oh, dude, yeah. Kenneth Branagh's like big studio work. I mean, mm. like anytime it's like a major studio movie and not one of his kind of like more passion projects, it, yeah. they're typically abysmal yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> real bad it's yeah. unfortunate because i have a lot of respect for the guy mm. but i mean i haven't but even i also thought. don't <laughs> yeah but I, also, I, I i haven't even seen the poirot movies so maybe oh, i yeah. should be like just slamming them but like <laughs> from, from what i have seen just i mean mm. just the trailers alone um i remember that one with like the imagine dragon song playing <laughs> in the background and stuff oh God, yeah this, it looks so bad um <laughs> And I just I hate the look of those movies mm-hmm. too. They're just like, like weirdly glossy. They have this yeah, like you sterile. Know I mean? Yeah, yeah. So sterile. That's the best way to put it. Um, they look like they were just like run through some Instagram filter. I just yes. the whole movie. The whole movie looks like a poster. Like yeah. it looks just airbrushed to shit. And yeah, you know yeah. those like Spider Man posters. People always give a bunch of crap for like <laughs> yeah. the, the MCU. The Spider-Man. whole movie looks like that. that. that is, like the movie exists in the <laughs> with that aesthetic. Yeah, I don't. I think the only one that I've seen is is Death on the Nile. Um, and it's it, it was fine, but it doesn't hold a candle to like the Benoit Blanc mysteries or anything, but, um, but I will start to be in a Poirot in a Blanc world. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, I guess they're successful. So, I mean, at least it's affords, it it gives him the, uh, it gives Brenna the opportunity to have enough champagne to fill the Nile. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. So, Okay. So yeah, so that's our review of Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, uh, currently in theaters for one week only, and then hitting Netflix on, I think it's December 23rd. Um, Jeez, but what a gap. Yeah, yep. So then to kind of wind down, we're going to do a review of Smile, uh, a horror film directed and written by Parker Finn, starring Sosie Bacon, Jesse T. Usher, Kyle Gallner, and Cal Penn. Uh, we'll do again, a probably brief non-spoiler section and go into spoilers, but, uh, the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening, uh, occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. Uh, this movie, I think, is still in theaters now, but it is also streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, guys, what did you think of Parker Finn's smile and the movie he wrote and directed? <laughs> um, I, I had, like, a ton of fun with this movie, and maybe because nice. my expectations were, like, super low. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I watched this trailer several times before other movies and was like, it's the dumbest fucking trailer of like (laughs) just the laziest scares and you know like the person's head at the door when the Mm -hmm. car window is like inexplicably flipping over and it's like (laughs) the movie the trailer gives you no concept of like how is this happening why are these absurd things happening it's just gonna it makes you feel like it's just gonna be a lazy studio horror movie and Mm -hmm. 
I went in expecting that and came out genuinely enjoying it and honestly a little bit creeped out by it. It's not like mm-hmm. gonna give you nightmares or like linger in your brain for weeks or anything. Yeah. It's not like the exorcist or anything, but like <laughs> it's it's I I was genuinely, you know, entertained and on the edge of my seat and actually appreciated kind of some of the thematic stuff that it's going for. Um, I'll hold off on specifics for that, but I thought Sozie Bacon was really good. Um, And I was shocked by like the strange direction it takes in its finale. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mitch, how did you feel about Smile? Well, um, I also enjoyed it. Um, I have to say that this is a weird one for me because Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a very generic movie (laughs) that is directed with like surprising skill that that's kind of like what I took. I was like, this movie is beat for beat the ring. It follows. There's like this malevolent, unstoppable force coming for this group of teens and They've got to research it. And, oh, we're looking at the creepy newspaper clippings mm-hmm. to find out what it is. And then, <laughs> you know, um, and I guess this isn't a teenager in this case, but it's mm. same difference, really. Yeah. Um, I, But, you know, the actual direction of the movie, um, I found actually to be really effective. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, just not to go super into it or spoilers, but there's the initial scene where we kind of see, like, the smile you know um with sosie bacon and i just thought that the way like the camera movements and like these slow pans that they use over and over through the movie i mean they got me every time um i love kind of like the soft pastel like color palette the movie has and just and i mean sosie bacon was i mean she was really I was really impressed by her. I had never seen her mm-hmm. in anything before. And yeah, I don't think crazy, I, had I don't know how she even probably got the audition. That must have been really hard for her to kind of get her foot <laughs> in the door. But, uh, no, but she came from nothing. She was really good. You know, sometimes yeah. I roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, Josie Bacon's the lead yeah. in, oh, a yeah. mass, in, in like a big budget, you know, studio movie or, you know, quote unquote, big budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was a really well-directed movie with like a pretty predictable and generic script. Yeah. Um, and I no spoilers. I don't think this is a spoiler to say that, you know, this movie is about trauma mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little burnout on horror movies that are about trauma. And I mean, we yeah. literally have scenes, we literally have scenes in this movie where people are like, it's trauma. <laughs> that's happening to you is trauma you know and i'm i'm but that said i actually thought this handled it pretty well like i yeah Yeah. i'm pretty burnt out on that Mm. but i i found it pretty effective if this came out like three years ago i imagine i would have really been a little more um impressed by kind of the angle they took with it but a good rendition of a tired trope yes yes this is kind of a good rendition of a lot of tired it's a whole movie of tired it is well done i this director parker finn i think after seeing this he's somebody who's like on my on my radar yeah yeah i i will agree with you guys for the most part i will say that i definitely agree mitch that it, it the script is a 
is uh, is not quite there and like that it is it is extremely tired to go the whole trauma route and everything and it is so on the nose in this movie that it's just i i think i made a slight mistake in that uh i wa- i rewatched previous to watching this movie i rewatched a few days before i rewatched um malignant which I think is phenomenal and absolutely amazing horror film. Um, and then I went in and I didn't go into smile, like wanting to compare them or anything, and they're not very comparable or anything, but to go from something as unique and interesting as malignant to something that is purporting or not even purporting, but like where people are saying like, Oh, it's a very unique thing and have it to be just so repetitive of past movies. Like you said, it follows in the ring. It is basically, it feels like it's a pastiche of those movies. And my kind of big takeaway that the big thing that I really liked about it. And the big thing that I just was not interested in about it. Uh, the thing that I really liked was the gore and the visual effects of like a lot of the stuff that happens was pretty fun. And in, in like it, like uh, adrenaline pumping and everything. But the thing that I didn't like is that it does that whole thing where it's like, Oh, they have to, like you guys said, they have to go and research what's going on. They need to trace back what all happened, what's happened to lead up to this and everything. And I love that kind of like procedural aspect in these types of like horror movies. Like I live for that kind of thing. But this felt so hollow and empty in that regard. (laughs) Like, it's like we are presented with something and then they, like, the extent of their research is, like, this same something has happened happened before numerous times and there's a chain and everything. And it's like, okay, that's it. I, I don't know exactly what it's, it's not like, it's not like how It Follows was, It Follows was, was, perfect in that regard because that that movie has so many different reads where it's about sexual trauma it's about um kind of loss of innocence and uh, like all of these different things and then the ring which this also borrows from quite a bit is about like a more like human kind of like mystery element that leads to that and everything and with Smile, there's none of that, either of that. Like, it doesn't do any any of that. It's just like, hey, this is a thing. All right, let's figure out what to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So I'm I'm basically just kind of eh, like meh on the movie, but um, it does have quite a bit, quite a bit of uh, quite good direction and uh, a lot of like interesting visual flares. Um that were effective as jump scares and everything, but the script just wasn't there for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a couple things I want to say mm-hmm. in response to what you're saying, but I <laughs> feel like maybe I should wait till spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we can dive into spoilers here now, if you guys want. Um, sure. Uh, I do want to say real quick that, um, a, like, the cast is really good. Like, I thought Sosie Bacon did a good job. Uh, Jesse T. Usher was was great as well. I'm loving seeing Kyle Gallner pop up in, like, these horror movies and stuff. Like, he was in Scream this year as well. Oh, yeah. Um, And then Cal Penn. 
I I was very pleasantly surprised to see him in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I thought the cast was pretty good. Yeah, I love me some some Kyle Gallon there. It's it's cool oh, seeing yeah. him in something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we are going to go into spoilers for Smile. So uh, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. And then when we come back, we're going to be spoiling Smile. Check the show notes for timestamps, all that stuff. Uh, so here we go. Clip from the trailer for Smile. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. I found 20 cases involving 19 victims with a direct line linking them all together. You said only 19. Why is it that everybody else who's seen it is dead and you're alive? I've seen it too. You? Get her away from me! How long between so, uh, there is one thing I want to talk about in spoilers, and then we can we can kind of dive more into it. But as someone, and this is totally on brand for me, but as someone who uh bases his entire identity around being a cat owner um there was a very entertaining kind of uh thing that i kind of experienced where okay she comes home and there's a cat and i'm like oh there's a cat that's awesome and then she <laughs> like comes home again and it's like oh the cat's back and then and then she's like hey, like okay i'm feeding the cat and i'm like oh oh no oh no they're really emphasizing this cat like okay <laughs> Uh, this is not going to be good. And then the cat goes missing. And then there was the moment where she's uh-huh. at the birthday party and she's giving the <laughs> giving the present to the kid. The kid is about to open the present. And like as as this scene is unfolding, my mind is catching up to what the movie's doing. <laughs> and like I honestly was just had a moment where I was like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and then it happened. And I'm like, that's that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So so that's my like uh uh my my uh i don't remember i don't know what word i'm trying to say but my required like cat moment uh for the movie but yeah so required cat moments with matt Hurt. yes yes a spinoff podcast exactly right yep i i kind of i i did really like that scene Mm because i yeah it reminded me almost of like an old david cronenberg movie like the brood or um video drone where like something really fucked up happens in this big public setting and everyone's just (laughs) like ah like i I think that's really really yeah well it, it was moments like that and like the i don't know monster mom at the end Mm -hmm. with all that shit with it really kind of solidified this as such a weird good time for me even though yes it's generic templated (laughs) as fuck like you know it's stupid you know the way it's written (laughs) is really kind of juvenile in a lot of places but like yeah it's those moments where it just it goes the extra mile to be just kind of fucked up or Mm -hmm. like wow that would be horribly jarring or like I am really uncomfortable right now because I did not expect that scene in a movie like this um, that that really kind of that keep, keep me so high on it. Yeah, I think I think too. Like for for me, th- this movie takes itself pretty seriously, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's when I have like a harder time forgiving maybe some more generic elements. However, mm-hmm. um, I I felt very conflicted by the end of the movie, uh, Matt. Where you saying they were like researching and kind of you said that's kind of catnip for you, no pun intended. Yeah, uh, about uh, in, ter- in terms <laughs> too soon, of Mitch, too soon. Yeah, when, they're, <laughs> when, they're, uh, when they're when they're trying to kind of 
find out, you know, what's going on behind this smile thing. And to me, I both like enjoyed the end in terms of, I loved the design of that smile monster. I mean, that was so, that was so gnarly. I, I thought that just like with the rows of teeth and it has no like splitting open. Yeah. That was super rad, Mm -hmm. but I also kind of don't, like how it felt the need to just kind of like actualize that you know what i mean like uh, to me i was the first half of the movie really had me because i'm like oh man what if this is just some sort of ethereal thing that's sort of never fully explained that's when i found it really creepy um kind of like the ambiguity of like not quite knowing the rules behind this or just knowing the vague rules right Mm -hmm. like these people who experience trauma or witness something. Um, and then by the end, I'm like, Oh, it's like a smile monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, uh, to me, I, I, I mean, I loved the look of that, but also I was like, I don't know if we, like you said, Andy, it's like, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, there is, there is some kind of nuance to mine from it. I think like the kind of surface level thing is like, okay, it smiles because it's representative of trauma and everything. So you're and like, if you're in a bad place, you put on a fake smile and everything, but right, it's ter- right. like, it's very, very just kind of just not shoehorned in, but very surface level there. But the movie does such, such a um, repeated effort in that first half hour to the first hour of the movie to have Rose be confronted with people who are minimizing like the the patients in her psych ward like the mm-hmm. uh, the cop partner of Kyle Gowner's like oh you know he this this woman was a head case and everything and she's like oh no don't say that or whatever and i feel like that's a thread that isn't fully fully explored like it's i think it's more to just signal to us that like okay she has trauma in her past involving her mother having mental illness and everything and and dying as a result of it and everything but i feel like there could have been more context or more social um uh kind of context given to that and explored a little further but i mean maybe i'm just wanting something in it that the movie just wasn't wanting to provide but i just feel like that was a weird thing to keep coming back to and then not really follow through on in terms of the overall representation of of like psychiatric treatment and all that i don't know did you guys have any uh thoughts on that yeah i mean i really loved your um kind of pointing out right like sort of the expectation to sort of smile right or just Mm -hmm. you know the kind of pressure we put on ourselves um to kind of smile when maybe we really are internally feeling um horrible Mm-hmm. And um, that, <laughs> and that I think is, uh, I think that's like a really kind of effective metaphor for like mental health and trauma that this movie is clearly mm-hmm. um, trafficking in. Uh, I I do think too. There's just obviously there's just something really creepy about like a vacant stare, right? Like a vacant yeah. sort of yeah. like empty smile, that um, uncanny valley look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I do think that there's not. Unfortunately, I, this is just one of those movies where any sort of nuance that could kind of be brought about, like uh, it, regarding those themes, um, is 
kind of just blatantly explained in like every scene by yes. the way, you know what I mean? just like said out loud by yeah. every single character um and it kind of like i think simplifies some of the, maybe the more interesting uh to me like what's kind of frustrating a little bit about this movie even though i enjoyed it overall is like you see the potential for like a great mm-hmm. movie in here and that's why i think this director is somebody who i like would keep an eye on because i think he could make something really awesome down down the mm-hmm. road yeah, I definitely agree. And I I don't know if maybe he was kind of pigeonholed by, you know, I don't know, producers or something like I don't know. I don't know if there was something that held him back or if this is just the way he wanted to handle it. But it just seemed like something wasn't quite connecting for me throughout most of the run of the movie. So, um, yeah, plus they killed a cat. So fuck this movie. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I thought there was something else I was, oh yeah, the whole, the, the subplot involving, uh, Jesse T. Usher, uh, as, as Rose's, uh, fiance. Oh yeah. That seems like come kind of completely dropped, uh, <laughs> entirely <laughs> like fine. Yeah. yeah. There. Yeah. I think that was probably like the biggest kind of drag on the movie for mm-hmm. me was him and not his performance necessarily yeah. like he was fine um but the character is just one of those like annoyingly kind of obtuse uncaring mm-hmm. like like he's caring uh, until it like inconveniences him and yeah. then it's like and it's just like i i get tired of those characters because obviously mm-hmm. they exist in real life but like when they're in a movie, it feels like they exist purely to like generate conflict out of nothing. Yeah. When it's like, this is Sozy Bacon's fiance. Like mm-hmm. he should be a little more supportive of this. Or like, it feels like they have to write a scene in a really convenient or convoluted way to like make it so that, oh, of course her fiance wouldn't trust her. Yeah. And it's like, ah, okay, whatever, yeah. fine. And there's even that line where she's she just directly tells him and by extension tells us that like, oh, you don't want to deal with anything like anything that's that's too severe or anything that that could cause a problem for your perfect life and everything. And that's basically like the end of the relationship, basically. And I'm just like, (laughs) come on, like just employ just a little bit of subtlety here. It's just it was a little bit of a drag. Yeah, I think that was underdeveloped because I do think that's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one that's actually explored like really well. If you guys have seen that movie, Take Shelter with uh, oh, Mike yeah. Shannon. Um, but mm-hmm. what? But essentially, like where again, the movie doesn't really flesh this out enough to make it compelling. But um, essentially, where it's like your mental illness, right? Um, can kind of presents a choice to like your significant other where they can sort of Mm -hmm. like stand by you during Mm -hmm. this or they can sort of abandon you and obviously by abandoning you they're like making your situation even worse um to kind of fend for this on your own um fortunately the movie it just feels very underdeveloped we Mm -hmm. don't really know enough about their past you know um yeah or their dynamic he just comes across as incredibly callous because we don't see what they've been through together before so mm-hmm. it's like it just feels like oh the moment she acts weird like he 
is done with her and it's like yeah and there is like that tiny bit where they're trying to imply oh he's been through this before she's you know really put him through the ringer but like Mm -hmm. yeah we don't get to see that so yeah it's almost like one of those movies where the the focus they do such a great job kind of fleshing out Sosie bacon's character and like Mm -hmm. all the focus is so much on her that like all of the supporting characters kind of seem pretty thin by comparison. Mm-hmm. And part yeah. of it is because it's so much from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can understand that, but like the sister character and her husband, you know, and it, even Kyle Gallner, I like Kyle Gallner, but like, mm-hmm. I like never believed that they were in a relationship. No, together. you know what I mean? like, like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't live with like, these feelings I had for you, I had to back <laughs> away. It's like, and then get engaged and do the exact same thing right. you were afraid of with other person. Like, I didn't understand that, and I just, yeah. I don't know. I just, I never bought that they had this like history together. Um, although, mm-hmm. like, again, I get, I guess it really speaks to Sosie Bacon's performance that, yeah. like, her character, I really believed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was a little dumbfounded in regards to Kyle Gallner's character of just like how much he was just like accessing these like police files (laughs) and video footage it's like a i don't believe that this guy has access to all of this and (laughs) b like he could not just be like showing it to anyone anywhere at any time and not like get fired for it (laughs) um there's gotta be higher security protocols than that well andy talk to me when you're a police officer yeah right (laughs) and then you don't know how it is when an ex-girlfriend comes to you about a smile <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, that... yeah. I'm being unempathetic. Blue lives matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, uh, I, yeah. I used okay. to be a, I'm sorry. I used to be a security guard and I'm actually getting a knock on the door. There's some whole history thing about the security guard thing. So I'm, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's so dumb. But unexplained backstory. Exactly. Uh-huh. But uh but I wanted to kind of mention here, and I know Mitchie, we gotta go here in a second, but um I wanna like even if to circle back to the whole mental illness thing and, and the trauma and everything, like it's it's an admirable thing that the movie kind of flirts with that. But then by the end of the movie, like what statement is it making? Like she gets like it just happens to her. And then Kyle Gallner is like the next in line because he sees it. And then boom, movie over. Like, okay, fine. That just seems a little bit. I don't know. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it's just taking it is kind of taking the like sort of easiest path of just like a. Well, see, this is the reality of things. This yeah. is how the world is. And it's like, it's not wrong, mm-hmm. but it's also not necessarily insightful either. Yeah. I, I like a good bleak ending to yeah. a horror movie. Is, you know, I I, think, it's, it's always fun. I mean, this is like the exact ending of Drag Me to Hell, if you guys have seen that. Where it's oh, like, yeah. The, just the horrified <laughs> look as, you know, um, you're, you're, the love of your life is being consumed in flames mm-hmm. um yeah. but yeah i did find like the message pretty muddled yeah. by the end and, and i i wasn't like yeah I, I didn't think it was handling anything thematically like <laughs> gracefully enough for me to like really want to like parse it out i was just like oh that was a cool smile monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um again though i mean 
it, it was it was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it, it had some tropes that I think it relied on like a little too heavily, and um, also didn't need to be two hours long. No, no, I I agree. Two hours. I yeah. didn't really feel its length, but that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm always the first to complain about any movie that's like over like 75 <laughs> minutes and, and immediately, yeah. immediately cranky. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I, I was looking through like I was trying to pick a movie to watch. and I was like, you know, after Sun, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll look at that. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, this is this is like barely like over uh, an hour and a half. Like I'm game. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm watching this right now. <laughs> uh, so that made me happy. Um, so to kind of wind down, um, kind of give overall thoughts on smile. Uh, what did you rate it on letterboxd? And, uh, and then we can kind of wrap up. I think Mitch, if you want, we can let you go after this. And then Andy, if you want to talk for a little bit after that, that's fine. But if not, whatever, um, no pressure just on the recording, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah, around the horn, uh, what did you guys rate smile? And I didn't mention this in the, um, glass onion review but uh is this going to make any top 10 lists or anything for you guys at the end of the year smile no glass onion maybe mm-hmm. um i mean it certainly has better chance than smile which i still like <laughs> um uh yeah i mean this is fun like for a movie that like looked like just disposable <laughs> c-tier Blumhouse, you know, yeah. I, I think this is a lot better uh, than you would expect, and I think that's solely just because of like the direct, the directing and the yeah. lead performance from Sosie Bacon. And uh, I would give this like a three out of five, like a like a solid thumb, one thumb up, <laughs> um, I guess, to use nice. some Ebert nomenclature. Um, but yeah, no, I liked it nice andy how about you uh yeah it's definitely not like gonna be in my top 10 or anything like that i think right now it might be like sitting pretty at 20 something mm-hmm. um which is pretty good um i i really i like this movie i think more than either of you i think i currently like when i rated it on letterbox right after i saw it i gave it a four out of five which is probably generous um but i was really riding a high after that movie like i had a lot of fun with it um and i'll you know just for the sake of it i'll stand by four out of five at least until i watch it again and inevitably like bump it down Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh yeah i i thought it was maybe only partially or maybe mostly because of my um uh low expectations i really ended up enjoying it and thought it kind of had a lot of fun with its premise. And like Mitch has said multiple times, Mm -hmm. the the direction of the rather bland material was surprisingly good. Yeah. I'll agree with those sentiments. Um, The movie didn't uh, hit as hard for me as I would have liked it to, but I thought it was fine. I rated it three stars and I don't know if I'll ever see it again, but you know, it was it was fine in the moment i guess so um all right that is our review of smile which again is available on paramount plus uh we're gonna bid adieu to mitch um if you want to before you go mitch first of all thank you for joining us uh oh for the of course episode. thanks for having me yeah and uh if you want to give the listeners um your home address your social security number <laughs> all that stuff yeah hold or, on, hold that yeah 
or oh, oh, just he's disconnecting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just where they can find you online. <laughs> yeah. Midwest Film Journal. Um, you can find me posting a, you know, review every week or two. Um, on there, you can find me at Twitter uh, on at wounded underscore kite. And you can find me at wounded kite on Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, if you want to hear more of my ranting about movies, uh, that's where you can go. <laughs> and uh, awesome. thank you, Matt and Andy. Nice talking to you. Have me yeah, on absolutely. again sometime. Loved it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. See you guys. See you. Bye, Mitch. All right. Now we can talk about Mitch, what we really think of Mitch. Man, <laughs> he's a three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> um, no he's a good dude but um <laughs> yeah we love Mitch. yeah um okay so i i kind of want like i'm not going to keep you too long or anything but uh usually like i we haven't done um a what we call potpourri section on the podcast so yeah. uh basically on a on a normal episode we'll do like a kind of potpourri section where we'll talk about movies we've wa- we've watched recently um mm. and just i figure we could all we we could both kind of throw one movie out each um so okay. yeah so i don't know did you want to start uh, let me let me introduce the potpourri section okay <laughs> yeah Hey guys, this is the potpourri section. Um, It's the part of the podcast where we wind down and we uh, basically, um, oh, how did we, how did we used to phrase it? Um, We, it's the point of the episode where we wind down and we talk about uh, movies that we've watched lately or things we're looking forward to. It's uh, potpourri. It's whatever we want, as long as it smells good. That was the tagline for it. Um, (laughs) So Andy, uh, what is a movie that you'd like to bring up uh, in a kind of brief non-spoiler format uh, for potpourri? Sure. Um, I just the other day saw the menu um, nice. and ended up really enjoying that. Um, I, I think it's just a kind of fun little like uh, uh, like bottle concept where it's just like it all takes place in one location mm-hmm. and um, it's it's tense and it's funny and there's like a little bit of kind of class social comment to it, but it doesn't get caught up in that and just kind of, um, I mean, Ray Fiennes is kind of the, the villainous figure and he's super fun to watch, um, pick people apart. Um, so that, that's one I saw that was, I've been seeing, seeing the trailers for like six months and was like, what is this movie going to be? And then finally saw it and I was like, you know what? That was damn fun. Nice. I am looking forward to checking out the menu um, here pretty soon. Um, I'm I'm hoping to. Uh, yeah, it the trailer looks pretty fun. Um, it yeah. looks it looks like it could be kind of. Uh, I don't know. I, I like I love the way that the that the trailer intentionally doesn't give anything away. I presume. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking forward to going into it and being surprised, hopefully in a good way. And I like yeah. the cast too. The cast is really good. Oh yeah. Um, for my, uh, potpourri segment, I want to bring up, uh, uh, this might be a sore subject, uh, bones and all. Um, ah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good one to bring uh, up with me on. Yeah. So, um, First of all, like you, you were very gracious to give me a ride home after the screening. Oh, yeah. Um, so thank you again. And uh, of course. yeah, but uh, but yeah, we don't have to get into all of that. But basically, bones and all, 
it's in theaters this week it opens this week yeah yeah um it's a new movie from oh god i can't remember how to pronounce his name luca i think it's guadagnino or something like that yeah let's go with that that. yeah Yeah. um i think he's italian that sounds about yeah he's italian um and like i'm not honestly i'm not terribly familiar with his work aside from uh call me by your name um Mm -hmm. which i didn't i wasn't really a big fan of call me by your name um okay yeah it just like people adored it and i just kind of it was it was fine for me um yeah yeah, and bones and all kind of feels like that's in in the same vein for me in terms of my reaction basically it's about cannibals and uh a a cannibal love story um Mm -hmm. and i just i'll just read quickly my letterbox review uh well part of it um uh, the love story at the heart of Bones and All is sweet enough and driven by a strong chemistry between Chalamet and Russell. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically, <laughs> um, it kind of feels there's some really intense stuff. But what I what I think is the detriment of the movie is that it it creates this atmosphere of um this this atmosphere of like this world of of people who have the this cannibalistic urge and as taylor russell's character is wandering and finds these people it creates this like open idea of like the different types of people that uh, like are in this group and everything but it doesn't commit to it like there's this whole section where um there uh they run into or they meet um um oh oh god michael stuhlbarg um mm-hmm. and another and another person um and that like the thing that's like explained for them the world building of those two characters is probably for me a little bit more interesting than almost anything else in the movie um <laughs> and then nothing happens with them so it's just it kind of feels uh, like yeah it kind of feels like they missed don't opportunity yeah like like it there's like these threads that some some come back and some recur and everything and then and then comes out at the end but it just it didn't really work for me it just felt like it felt like the movie didn't really it felt like he didn't really know where to take the movie and where he does okay. take it yeah it just seemed a little like he bit had a, expected like he had a great concept and just wasn't sure where to go past the pilot episode <laughs> uh, pretty much pretty much yeah oh yeah um, well i so, yeah. i would love to compare notes with you <laughs> on that film and talk about whether i agree or not but had to uh the reason we were laughing earlier yeah. when you meant when you brought up the movies because i had to uh excuse myself early mm-hmm. on in the film uh due to a uh we'll call it an adverse physiological mm-hmm. reaction to an early bit of intimate violence in the movie and uh, <laughs> yes. ma- made me feel sick as as the occasional movie does mm-hmm. um but uh I'll I'll get back to it one day. It'll be my my Everest. Nice, nice. <laughs> and I will link. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to your letterbox list of the movies that have made you physically <laughs> ill. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so, it's yeah. a good list. It's a very a lot good of great list. movies on there. Yeah, a lot of great movies. This a lot is, of very is, surprising ones. Yeah, well, and this is I will say the first movie I have not been able to finish mm. due to that reaction. Normally, it's uh, like. Yeah. Oh, I see something that bothers me, get a little woozy or something, mm-hmm. check out for a second, come back, finish the movie. But this one I uh I had to I had to nope right out of there <laughs> yeah. until the end. 
Yep. And uh and again, I really appreciate you stand, sticking around and giving me a ride oh, home. Like like Of course. Yeah, like the whole movie I'm sitting there I'm like, "Oh, they're not coming back." Um, <laughs> I guess my ride's gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I it was no big deal. I was like, something must have happened. Like I kind of looked and saw like, "Oh, I have a message, so I'm not going to look until after the movie." I'm like sitting there thinking mm-hmm. like like I like Nick was right next to me and I was just like I, like at the end of the movie I was going to be like, "Hey, yeah, uh can you just drive me the mile to my to my sure, apartment yeah. uh so anyway i really appreciate that but no worries yeah um all right well i think that that should just about do it um that is <laughs> our potpourri section um so before we go uh once again can you tell people where they can find you online and what do you guys have in the pipeline for uh odd trilogies coming up like what do you what do you oh. got going on yeah um I'll start with odd trilogies before mm-hmm. I give all my signatures. Yeah. Um, so for odd trilogies, we just did the rise of Henry Selleck. We actually just this past weekend, we're supposed to have um, kind of a special episode. It's a type of thing we call a frequel where mm-hmm. it's like, we've got an extra movie or two. We want to talk about in relation to a trilogy episode we just did, but it's not a trilogy in itself. We were going to talk about, or we did actually talk about uh, Monkey Bone, mm-hmm. Henry Selleck's one like mostly live action movie starring Brendan Fraser. Nice. Um, we watched the movie, recorded the episode, had our friend Austin Webster uh, on to talk about it. Um, something went wrong in the export and the file got all messed up. So oh. we were unable to publish the uh, mm. episode. Um so that's that'll just be one that's uh you know lost lost to memory but it was Ugh. it was a good time to listen yeah. to um this coming weekend like thanksgiving weekend on saturday we've got uh cartoon saloons irish folklore trilogy another animated trilogy um nice. from a, a ireland based uh, animation studio which um you might remember from a couple of years ago their movie wolf walkers oh uh, yeah got got some oscar attention mm-hmm. um that is the third movie in the trilogy and they're all kind of based on pieces of storytelling from irish folklore which is where the trilogy wow. gets the name so that's the next nice. step in the pipeline for us um i also write Very reviews cool. for the f- yeah the film yap mm-hmm. um check them out on social media and you can find me on letterboxd at dandable like mandible but with a d nice. uh um, or on Twitter at not so handy Andy. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And that sucks that you guys lost that episode. Um, <laughs> I've been there before. It is not, yeah. uh, that's rough. Yeah. So yeah. my yeah. heart goes out to the odd <laughs> trilogies family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we live and learn. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, of course, you can find me on social media at Obsessive Viewer. I just started a new Instagram account for my solo podcast anthology. So follow that at OV Anthology Pod. Uh, so basically, check out Obsessive Viewer, obviously, um, <laughs> Tower Junkies and Anthology Pod. Uh, and yeah, once again, before I play us out, I do want to just pitch to you guys uh patreon uh patreon.com slash obsessive viewer tons and tons of ridiculous bonus audio content uh for as little as one dollar per month or as much as ten dollars per month uh there is a wealth of stuff there so 
check that out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i'm gonna start playing us out once again andy thank you so much for joining me and uh and thank you so much for the ride home as well and uh yeah all right happy to be here and happy to try awesome awesome all right well i will uh talk to you soon and to the listeners uh thank you guys so much for listening and i will talk to you guys in the next episode not sure what it is but we'll see And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And then also the entire time, the other group of teenagers that were about, let's see, I think that there's maybe eight or I'm going to guess like 10 seats in the row. They, there was like seven or eight kids. Um, and they were in the row directly in front of me and it was, it was what you expect not to generalize, but it was what you expect when you see young kids unaccompanied by adults or anything in a movie theater, because it's not an experience where they're watching the movie. It's the experience of being out unsupervised. They're being out They're They're out with their friends. So it is a chatter session. It is sharing like, like tweeting and stuff. They're like looking at each other's cell phones for some ungodly reason. This is a Again, a generalization, but all big groups of teenagers have to move their seats around all the time um, because they kept getting up, moving seats, switching seats, going out, coming back in. It was unbelievably irritating. Their phones kept vibrating. One of them had like their... Uh, like one of those things where you get, if you get a notification, the freaking flash flashes and that was like happening constantly. It was excruciating. But again, I didn't care because I had my angry orchard and I had my own things going on. I'll talk about in a second, but, um, I had my own, like I, I had my angry orchard. I had my third movie in the row in, in a row. So I was good. I was fine. So, um, but the, one of the women in my row that was on the double date, apparently she was not like she was angry she at one point like yelled at them like she shushed them and then she said will you guys please sit down and shut the fuck up um and then they didn't really say anything but she was like you guys have been doing this this whole movie just sit down and shut the fuck up like don't uh and then they they got quiet and everything and they for the most part they were fine but what was funny was that the kids in our row in my row with like those people's rows as well they started giggling because oh someone someone just got scolded and she's and then she just like looks over at them and says you guys too you guys are fucking doing this too and so they were pretty okay through the rest, the rest of the movie but i was just like oh my god this is amazing uh like it's it's really uh it was really kind of entertaining but my experience in the theater and i will wrap this up soon my experience was this podcast was edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts for exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.